You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hey friends, we're so excited to have you with us no matter where you are watching, no matter how you're engaging. We're so thankful to have you with us. It's just so awesome to see as we've been celebrating 21 days of prayer and fasting, coming together, worshiping together, wrapping it up. And I don't know about you, but it is challenging to do prayer and fasting. I have a love-hate relationship with it every single year. It's not so much the prayer side, it's the fasting side of things. Giving up food is hard for your flesh. But I love it because every single year, even though I wrestle with it and I get frustrated and I get the hunger pains and I get frustrated and just cranky, there's just something that happens spiritually when we do this as an act of worship to God, when we deny our flesh and worship God by fasting and drawing closer to him. Now, it's not something that's a magic trick where we're trying to trick God to give us our way. Honestly, the more we mature and the more we pray and the closer we become to God, we recognize that our prayers are becoming aligned with his will for our life. So we do these prayer declarations where we stand on God's word, saying everything that you've spoken to us in your word, we're declaring those and believing those promises for our life. We're coming in agreement with you, God, on how you feel about us, how you want us to be blessed, how you want us to enjoy this life and have it to the fullest. I hope you were able to participate at some level this year. Now, some of you probably heard 21 days of not eating, and you're like, I'm out. And I can respect that. That's a tall order to do. But I hope you were able to participate at any level. If it wasn't for three weeks, maybe a week or a day or just one meal or giving up a certain type of food or media, whatever it is that you gave up in order to draw closer to God, I just want to celebrate that with you. And as we come to the conclusion of this and just be reminded that God wants to speak to us in this year. And that's what I just want to take a few moments and do and just stand on some of God's promises and share some of the things that he has been speaking to me in my life, things that he's been speaking to me for tree line, and just share some of those things with you. And that's been my goal every year as I spend time in prayer and fasting in 21 days. I, I want to hear for myself, for my family. I want to pray those declarations over my marriage, my family, my kids, all of those things that I'm just believing and depending on God, because here's what I know. The longer I live life, the more I recognize that I am in desperate need of God. I don't know about you, but I don't have all of this figured out. And the more I try to do it in my strength, hey, sometimes it turns out, let's just be honest, but a lot of times it just falls flat on its face. And so we're just so desperate to hear from God. We're so desperate to have his guidance, his intervention, his leading, his wisdom in our life. And I feel that for my family. I feel that in my personal life. And I definitely feel that for Treeline Church, leading and pastoring a church, let alone a church plant in the middle of a pandemic. Because I don't know about you, things seem to be going really great about a year ago. We're firing on all cylinders. We're getting this church plant up off the ground. It seemed like things were going great. People were starting to come, get saved, get baptized. They're inviting friends. Kids are showing up every week. It was awesome. It was amazing. The team was clicking and jiving and flowing, and it was just so amazing. And then all of a sudden, it was like the rug was just yanked right out from underneath us. And then I got a little frustrated. I don't know about you, but it has been a frustrating season and an entire year of it. Being like, God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of this? Lord, I thought you called us to do this. I thought this was the plan and purpose, and your timing seems to stink a little bit, God, because, man, it would have been great to, you know, have maybe a little bit, a few years before that, or maybe we could have waited until after it and weathered the storm, and then, and maybe you feel that some way in your own life. 
Even as I talk about that in leading and pastoring a church, maybe you feel that's something going on for you and the pandemic's just kind of wiped your energy out or, or your, your groove or whatever it is that you are pursuing. And it just seems to be such a season of delay and waiting and questioning and wondering where God is in the midst of all of it. And as I've been praying and fasting and seeking God um, during this time in the past three weeks, I've just really been asking God to speak to me and give me a word for, for us as a church and really for us as individuals, what we're looking into in 2021. And so I want to share his story with you. And it's about Jesus. I figured that'd be a good place to go to talk about Jesus. And to, to give you a, a quick history lesson here, just back up a little bit before we get into this story. Many of you know, may know that Jesus had followers who people would typically call them the disciples, 12 disciples, that Jesus went and he called these people out of their vocation, whatever they were doing. He said, hey, come follow me, do life with me, get close to me. I'll be your rabbi, your teacher. I'll teach you about God, the kingdom of God and how you can live for God. And, and his goal was to help them understand who God was and how they could live out God kingdom in their own lives. And so he does this. He goes out and he finds these people in this, and he finds some guys who are actually fishermen. And he actually calls them. He's like, hey, why don't you come follow me? So these guys, by trade, they're fishermen. They probably learned from their families. It was probably passed down the area that they lived in. It was a big deal. This is probably how they provided for their family, how they ate. It was their profession. It was their trade, right? They probably went to school for it. No, they didn't go to school for it, but they were good at what they did. They knew what they were doing. And so as you can imagine, some guy showing up claiming to be the son of God is like, hey, come follow me, give up everything else. They're probably like, hey, we need to vet this Jesus guy. We're not quite sure if everything he's saying is true and he wants us to give up everything to follow him. Maybe we should wait and see a little. I would imagine the skepticism was a little high when he put that invitation out there. But then something amazing happens as they get around Jesus. They begin to see that he's the real deal and that he is worth following. And everything that he says, he can back it up with the goods. Surely this guy's the son of God and he really does want us to follow him and he is worth following. So here we come to a story in Luke 5 where Jesus is actually teaching to people. And there's so many people in the crowd, he's got to go out in a boat to teach them. He's got to get out a little further away from the crowd so they can all hear him. And after he's done teaching, it says this in Luke 5, starting in verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Simon, he answers and he says, master, we've worked hard all night and have caught, we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now this is like, for me, like one of the most like Seeing Jesus with these guys, they sound like they're teenagers, right? It's like, well, you know, we already tried doing it, but since you asked, I roll, I guess we'll go ahead and put the nets down. I mean, nothing's going to happen, but let's just go ahead and try it. And you know, Jesus, you said and you asked, so okay, we'll go ahead and do it. But then it says this, it says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at such a catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed him. This is an amazing story. Maybe you're familiar with this. Maybe you've never heard this before, but I love this and really breaking this down and seeing what's happening. 
that they have this moment where Jesus is like, hey, let's, let's go catch some fish. And they're like, we fished all night and we caught nothing. And we know what we're doing. There's probably no fish out there. So Jesus, that sounds a little crazy, but since you asked us, okay, reluctantly, we'll go ahead and go down and put the nets out. And then they're so amazed at what happens that as they're pulling the nets in, that they begin to physically break. And then they call their friends over in the boat neighboring next to them. Come in, we've got so many fish. And they start putting fish in their boat and their boats began to sink because the sheer number of fish that they caught in this moment. And I love Simon Peter's response in this moment. It's like this light bulb goes off for him. It was like, you know, in that moment where he was just like, oh man, begrudgingly, okay, Jesus, since you asked, we'll go ahead and put the nets out. But then all of a sudden he recognizes the intensity of who Jesus is and what he's asked, and now the result uh, come from the other side of that. And I love as he says, hey, don't worry, don't freak out, don't be afraid, you're gonna follow me and I'm gonna teach you how to fish for men instead of actually going out in the water and getting fish. Instead, you're gonna go after men's souls and win them for the kingdom of God. And I love this at the end as they go into the boat in verse 11, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and follow them. Can you picture in this moment that they walk away from the boats, the nets, everything that they need, they leave everything, family, connections, they left absolutely everything, any security they had, any future that they had, any hopes or plans, they said, hey, we're going to leave this all. This Jesus guy is legit. Did you just see what happened? We're going to give it up everything in order to follow after him. And I love this moment and just seeing the, the tenacity in their hearts and seeing that Jesus is who he said he is and he's going to follow through. And when they listened to him, amazing things began to happen. Here's what you may not be so familiar with. There's actually another instance of Jesus helping these guys catch some fish. See, at this time in this story that we read in Luke, Jesus was still with them. He was very much here. He was on the boat with them while all this was going on. But if we fast forward, Jesus now has been around for a while. These guys have followed him up close. They have been in the front row seat of one of the most amazing things in history to ever happen. Jesus has now been crucified. He's been buried. He rose back from the dead, just like we celebrate in Easter every year. He is risen. And now the amazing thing happens is Jesus comes to them a few times after he is resurrected. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the story in John 21, this is the third time that he has appeared to them after he's been resurrected back to life. So Jesus is gone. They've encountered him a few times since he had left this earth. But now this is an amazing story in John 21, starting in verse 3. So Simon Peter, remember him? He was the guy that was like, all right, Jesus, whatever, and then falls on his knees. And he's like, I'm in. I'm going to follow you. He says, I'm going to go fishing. We'll come too, we all said. We did, but caught nothing all night. Well, this story's starting to sound vaguely familiar. At dawn, we saw a man on the beach but couldn't see who he was. He called, any fish, boys? No, we replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of them. So we did, and we couldn't draw in the net because the weight of the fish were so many. Then I said to Peter, it's the Lord at that Simon Peter put on his tunic, for he was stripped at the waist, and he jumped into the water and swam ashore. The rest of us stayed in the boat and pulled the loaded net to the beach about 300 feet away. When we got there, we saw a fire was kindled, and the fish were frying over it, and there was bread. And then Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went out and dragged the net ashore. By his count, there were 153 large fish. And yet, the net had not torn. So an astonishingly similar story 
with a few differences. And I want to break it down because I think this is something that God's really speaking to us in this year for us as a church and for us individually in our lives. See, there's a few distinct differences that take place in this story. See, at this point in the first one, they're not so sure. It's almost this moment like, we're like, we fished all night, but if you say so, okay, we'll do it. But see, at this point, there was something that happened. They'd already completely surrendered their life, their will, their everything to follow Jesus. They were willing to give it all in order to follow him because they saw that Jesus was going to follow through and do what he said he would do. And so when we see this story and they can't, they can't see Jesus, They're just out fishing all night, and they get nothing, and then midnight they hear this voice. And it wasn't this hesitancy. It wasn't like, well, who's the, you know, who's the stranger out on the, who's the wacko on the beach telling us, you know, have you caught any fish? You know, no, homeless man, go away. they, They immediately listen, and they go, bay. And then something amazing happens. These guys are fishermen. They're trained, right? They know what they're doing. And Jesus is like, hey, throw the net on the right side of the boat. Apparently must have been on the left side. And it's not like the fish were like all hiding out on the right side. Like it made any sense whatsoever for a fisherman to be like, oh, you know, that makes sense. They're probably all huddled on that side. Let's throw it on the other. And so they do something unthinkable. They go against their training, what they've known, what they were trained to do, everything that they knew, all the reactions, all the things that they should do as fishermen. And Jesus is just like, hey, just put the net on the other side and you're going to catch a bunch of fish. And they do it. And I love Simon Peter once again, the fervency in his heart of not throwing himself at Jesus' feet and being like, I'm, I'm a filthy wretch. I'm a terrible human being. I'm a failure. I, I don't deserve to be around you. Instead, he doesn't even wait for that boat to get on shore. He gets dressed, which makes no sense to me. I guess he didn't want to see Jesus see him naked or something. I don't know. But he gets dressed and he swims in the water and he gets to Jesus. And there Jesus is on the beach, frying the fish, making the bread. He cares about them. He loves them. He's taking care of them. Even after he's resurrected, he still loves and he's for his followers, his disciples. And I love this idea that as they're trying to pull the net up, these seven people can't even get the net into the boat because there are so many fish in this moment. And as Simon is running up to the beach, they, they bring it up and they leave it there on the shore. And Jesus is like, hey, go, go get that. Those fish you just got, go get them. And it says that he actually drags the net. Now think about this for a moment. This net was so full of fish that these dudes were struggling to get it up out of the water and couldn't do so. So they just did their best to get it to the shore. And now all of a sudden Jesus is like, hey, go get that thing. And Peter just single-handedly drags the thing up onto the beach, counts all the fish. And then the most amazing thing to me in the end is that the net did not tear. Why is this significant? Man, friends, I was telling you, as I was reading this this week, I was just messing me, the Holy Spirit, just getting up in my grill, just messing with me, this idea of the net not breaking, because I don't know if you caught it, but in the first instance when Jesus was with them, when they weren't so sure, when they haven't fully surrendered and weren't following him, if you caught it as they were trying to pull the nets, the nets began to physically break. But now all of a sudden, the net is not breaking. See, why is that significant? See, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. But just like these guys had a need, just like they needed to catch some fish, they physically had that need. They needed to be able to do that, to provide for their family, to have sustenance, to have nutrition. They needed this to live. And Jesus saw this and he knew the need. And the same thing is true about us in this year, that God sees the need in your life. 
Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it's with your marriage. Maybe it's with your family or kids or a restoration that needs to happen in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's a physical healing or health in your body or your mind or your emotion. <laughs> maybe it's something financially or with your career. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something that is just so extreme that you don't even think that God could possibly care. And even if he did, there is nothing he could do about it. Friends, let me tell you and remind you in this year in 2021 that God sees you. He has not forgotten you. He sees the need in your heart. He wants to be there. And here's the thing that we've got to get. We've got to get to the point, just like the people in this story, we're willing to do something that seemed absurd. They had to go against their training. They had to go against their knowledge, their own wisdom, their own intellect in order to follow Jesus. But when they were willing to surrender their will, when they were willing to surrender their way, when they were willing to surrender their own intellect and wisdom and simply listen to the voice of Jesus, something amazing happened. See, we might be in the same situation. We're like, I've been trying. I've been trying to do it. The math doesn't add up. I try to approach them. The relationship is broken. I've tried to forgive them, but the bitterness just keeps creeping up. I don't know what it is, but we just keep trying to do it in our own intellect, our own way, how we've been taught, how it was modeled for us. And today, I believe Jesus is saying to us, hey, put the net on the other side of the boat. Well, Jesus, that makes no sense. Why would I do that? Why would I choose to forgive them? Why would I humble myself? Why would I submit myself to their leadership? Why, why would I do those things? Why would I make a budget, make a plan? Why would I surrender my life and follow you? Why would I live and choose forgiveness instead of the bitterness that has been so deep inside of my heart? Because friends, I believe with all of my heart that if we are willing to surrender our will, our plan, our intellect, our wisdom, ourselves, and give it to Jesus and say, I'm going to be willing to follow your voice. See, there's a maturity that comes between these two stories. See, the longer and the closer they followed Jesus, they knew something was true. That if they simply obeyed the voice of the master, if they simply surrendered their life and their will to Jesus, they knew that he wasn't going to leave them flat on their face. It was simply a race to be like, let's just do what Jesus said because it's worked out every single time. So let's just follow him. Let's surrender our will. Let's surrender our lives. And see, as we read this story, and it's the thing that's become so incredibly just stands out to me. It's like when you read these, it's like, how did I miss this all these times, all these years that the net didn't not break. Why is this so significant? See, friends, it is a miracle. There's nothing short of this being a miraculous story. How could a man physically pull a net on the shore that seven men struggled to get out of the water? See, at this point, Peter just knew if I just listen to Jesus, I can do it. Why? Because he said I can do it. Because Jesus said I can do it. Because he's given me the instruction I'm going to do it. I know he's going to be able to do it. And the net did not break and I feel this so strong in my spirit for this year, for us as a church, for us individually in my own life, that we've got to know that God, when he has called us to something, when he has set us up, when we surrender and follow him, when we're willing to lay down our plan, our life, you've got to know, friends, that the net is not going to tear. That if he has given you his word, if we're standing on these declarations, if we're living these promises, the net will not break. It will not tear. He is going to get us through. He's going to provide a way. He will make sure we are not forgotten. He will make sure the plan comes to fruition. He will see the thing that seems impossible in the moment that doesn't make sense. The math is broken. The relationship is busted. That if we are willing to trust the words and the voice of Jesus, the net, it's not going to break. See, I love the distinction in that first story. 
As they're trying to get those nets up into the boat, and there's so many, the boat is sinking, and now all of a sudden they're in one accord in this boat together. And it's just simple obedience and act of Jesus and what he asks them to do, because they know if Jesus asks them to do it, that they're going to be able to. I love what Paul says in the book of Philippians. Paul is someone who traveled all over the known world at the time, starting new churches, doing missionary ventures, going around talking about people, the good news of who Jesus was. And just like church and ministry and church plants take resources and finances and people, the same thing was true then. And Paul had people who were supporting his work, supporting his missions, who were giving to it financially, who were helping and sending people, enabling, equipping the ministry that he was doing. And he would often write, and we can see these in those letters. We get a little window into him and the gratitude and the thanks that he had for people and the support. And he says this in Philippians 4, starting in verse 10, how grateful I am, how I praise the Lord that you are helping me again. I know you've always been anxious to send what you could, but for a while you didn't have the chance. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether it be a full stomach or hunger, plenty or want. And then finally in verse 13, I can do everything God asks me for the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. See, friends, I think Paul really catches something for us, and we can really live this in 2021 because we feel maybe sometimes the famine defeats, and it feels like the good times are gone, that the frustration is here, that the depression is settled in, and the darkness is here, and it's so frustrating and so alone and so isolated, and we don't know what to do, but we see the words that Paul gives us here, that he has found the secret contentment. How? Yes, that in everything, in lack or in need and in hunger or in you know, or feast, whatever it is, he can do anything. Why? Why can he do anything that God asks him to do? Because the help of Christ gives him the power and the strength to be able to do it. See, as I've been frustrated this year and feeling and be like, God, I just feel like we got the rug yanked out underneath of us as a church. I feel so frustrated and being like, where where were you in the midst of this? But then I have to go back to those promises and stand on those words and what God's called us to do as a church, that he has called us to reach the next generation. He's called us to see family trees changed. And as I've been praying through that this this week and the last couple of weeks and this month and just being reminded that that vision, the tools, the thing he's called us to do, that that net is not going to tear. And I don't know what it is for your life. I don't know what it is that you need. I don't know where you need God to come through in this year. But friend, I want to remind you and tell you that if you're willing to trust and follow the words of Jesus, the net is not going to tear. How do we do that? It starts by being obedient to the voice of God and doing the things that he asks us to do, even if they run countercultural, even if they go against the grain of our own personalities, our own wants and desires. And where do we find that? Where's the foundation? It begins by starting in the word of God and living the way that he asks us to live and not being selective, not being like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I could give that up. Did you catch it? Come on, at the beginning, the first story that they gave up everything in order to follow after Jesus. And that when we surrender our life to him, that we are no longer living in that old life, that we are a new creation. And we begin to follow it. It doesn't mean that we're going to get everything perfect. It's not we're going to be like some super Christian out of the gate. But if we slowly begin to follow and mold our life and model ourselves after Jesus, we've got to begin to live the way that he asks us and challenges us to in his word. We've got to start by spending time Maybe start just in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Just go there. Maybe in this year, just challenge yourself to begin to read. Read about Jesus, how he interacted with people. 
Read the stories of what he did, how he taught people how to follow after himself. Begin to model yourself and, and take on those attributes and start living for ourselves, living for our own desires, our own flesh, our own needs. And we're not supposed to be conformed to this world. We're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. But we've got to be willing to trust. We've got to be willing to surrender. Maybe sometimes beyond that, it takes getting around someone who's a little more seasoned, maybe a little further down the road, a little more mature than you. Someone who you can trust to hear the voice of God. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is for you. Maybe it's a pastor, a small group leader, a friend, a relative who's got a little bit of history, a little, little bit going on where they've, they live with Jesus for a while. And you know that you can trust and follow after their word. Friends, we're going to finish and uh, the band's going to come up. We're going to sing one more song together. But before we do, I just want to let you know I don't know what's been going on in your life. I don't know the challenge or struggle that you face. I know the challenge and struggle that we face as a church. I know the difficulties that we face in moving forward in a post-COVID world. I know in my own life, in my own family, the, only, the struggles that we have, the challenge that we're going for, the things that we're believing on, I don't know what they are for you. But I just want to remind you and encourage you in this moment to choose to live completely in surrender to have this moment like Peter does of throwing himself at the feet of Jesus and just have this image in your head of Jesus looking down and saying, hey, no, 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 you don't have to be afraid. You're not worthless. You simply have to choose to trust me. Come on, follow me. Surrender your life. Give it to him. Choose in 2021 more than ever before to live a life of surrender and say, I'm going to choose to trust the voice of Jesus. It may force you to go against your own intellect. It may force you to go against your own instincts. It may force you to go against your own wisdom. It may go against your family of origin and the way that you were raised and the way you were taught to do things and your reactions. It may force you to lay down a whole lot. But here's what I know to be true that if we learn to trust the voice of Jesus, come on, that he is not going to leave us. He's not setting us up for failure. He's not letting us set us up so we can say, ha, caught you, fall flat on your face. No. Friends, if we simply trust the voice of Jesus and do what it is that he asks us to do, and we have the faith to believe that we can accomplish the things that he has called us to do, that we are more than conquerors than Christ Jesus, that we are able to forgive that person because he first forgave us, that we know that we are made righteous, not because of our own doings, because he loved us and that he wanted a relationship with us and that he can fix that broken relationship that is too far gone, that he can mend the hearts that have become too hard, that he can turn around the financial disaster that seems like the Titanic going down, that he can intervene in that marriage that seems like it is too far gone and the hearts are too too hard, that he can come and find that child, that son or daughter that seems too far gone, that has turned their back on God, on the church, and wants nothing to do with it. Friends, I don't know what it is for you, if it's a career, if it's a job, it's a finance, a relationship. I just want to encourage you in this year to surrender your will, your plans to him, and instead follow the voice of Jesus. And know that in this year, friends, the net, it's not going to tear. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees change by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.